ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the main event. And that's right, everybody. Welcome back once again to another edition of the Best Seat in the House podcast. As always, I'm your host, Rob Kramer, joined by my co-host, Daniel Bobo Carlin. Now, we got a lot to get into today, but before that, how are you doing today, Dan? I'm doing fine. For those of you, uh, of course, all of you who were following me on social media know that I am the 2000, I am the master, I am the Mets trivia master of this year's, uh, of, of of this year's Queens baseball convention last weekend, I ended up, they do they do that yearly they do this yearly they do trivia contests every year usually hosted by the people by the people that host a baseball night in New York on SNY led led by mm-hmm. a, led by Salatara. Of course, I I I volunteered to take part in it, and I won uh, Gary Keith and Ron signed baseball, which. Like I said, I'll show you guys. Uh, for those of you guys wondering, when am I going to post a picture of it? Once I get a display case thing for it, because uh, it's uh, I don't have a display thing right now to protect it. So once I got, so until I got my this little, you know, until I bought the little, this, you know, the little plastic display case thingy to to uh, mm-hmm. to display it in, I'm keeping it in a in a protective uh, tissue paper it was given to me in. But As once you, I, yeah, once, uh, that's that's definitely a good idea. But also. You got this nifty belt right here to hoist for the whole uh, crowd to see, right, Dan? Yeah, well, actually, that actually that's kind of really like not really own own that belt. But what happens is, is that every year they bring that belt to the Queens Baseball Convention, the the people that run the event, for the for the winner to take to, to take a photo op with. So I got to yeah, I got yeah. to take a picture with that belt. Yeah, exactly, is, just I, to show that, very sweet that belt. you edge. Just to show that, like uh, the great Eastside Dave would say, that you are the trivia champion. So exactly that that that. So exactly, but so still, I got that photo to show people that I did, in fact, the, the only ones that get a photo with that belt at the Queens Baseball Convention, you had to win, and I won. So I got two big things. Uh, I got two big. I got three major championships to my name. I got and and I'm gonna tell them share them with you in order. First, I got I forgot what week this was, but I was I was during the time of the Eastside Dave show when Eastside Dave was a Compamilla. I am one of the winners of the flute game, and I do got the shirt as you, I'm sure you've seen me wear that uh that red Eastside Dave shirt. I I I won I'm one of the winners of the of the, of the Eastside Dave show flute flute flutesy game where. I guess the song Flutesy was playing, and she was playing the Indiana Jones theme. I also am the winner of the Eastside Dave Show sketch competition. You remember, and you were a part of that sketch. That I was. You remember? <laughs> yeah, you, you were a part of the winning sketch of the Eastside Dave Show sketch competition. I forget you were a part of that sketch, which is, which by the way is on my YouTube. It's one more Daniel Curl, and you could, you could, you could act, you could actually watch that sketch. Unfortunately, I wish the way the the MNC MNC did when he was putting when he was editing the stuff together post it does it kind of looks like a thing in production but I might I might have to one of these days do a remake of that sketch to give so people have a better quality version of it because you remember how it looked right yes yes that that, that was very fun though as a yeah. matter of fact actually if if people haven't seen that we'll we'll post the link to that in the description of this video you know just in case you're wondering what we're talking about. Yeah, and I have to say, I so I I had to try not to laugh when we're filming this because I thought Stevie Lou did a he did a hilarious job playing that pizza man in that sketch. <laughs> like he did, he did. Like, uh, and I and I had to try not to laugh when I'm filming the part where I get you know the part where I get angry and I whack him with the pizza box. <laughs> it, yeah. was, it was just a challenge not to laugh because I just I just thought it was so funny when we're filming it. And when I was writing that, when I was writing the sketch, I was just 
laughing at this idea when I'm when I'm typing up the script for it. How funny that was! Like, and me, I, I feel like me and everyone in that video just we nailed what that vision I had when I'm typing when I was when I was typing up the script for it, and it it just it just still it's still hilarious to this, every time I watch that one. I, and of course, now we can add the Mets, the 2020, I guess, because well, it's 2023 Queens Baseball Convention, Mets trivia champion, added to those uh, ch championships to my, to, my, to my name. Exactly, Dan. So you got that championship attached to your name. And you know what? Uh, there is a whole lot of going on right now. We haven't had too many championships in New York lately especially the uh, Yankees who if uh, you know if you're counting the ways that we normally start this show unless it's baseball season and the Yankees are doing really good um, and or there's a reason to bring them up we usually don't start with the Yankees being Mets fans and everything else with the football being football season and the Rangers and everything so we usually go elsewhere but today unfortunately the Yankees it's not a championship but the Yankees definitely, have won the last 24 hours of the uh, baseball winter meetings as they are out there wheeling and dealing. First off, the Yankees went out last night and acquired uh, outfielder, left-handed bat Alex Verdugo from the Boston Red Sox in exchange for three minor league pitchers. Um, now, if you remember, Verdugo was one of the pieces that went back to Boston in the uh, Mookie Betts deal. So, after Hyam Bloom is ushered out the door in Boston, they're already selling off pieces of that trade. The Yankees pick him up for three minor league pitchers. And before we even move on to the big news of the day, which we haven't even got to yet, you know, Dan, when, when you heard this news break last night that the Yankees, you know, made this trade, and hey, say what you want about the Yankees. One thing me and you have complained about for the last couple of years is the lack of left-handed hitting in the Yankees lineup. They've loaded up on righties like Judge and Stanton and all these big bats, but they needed the lefties to balance it out, especially in that stadium. And picking up a guy like Alex Verdugo was the first step in that direction, right? Yeah, exactly. Though, at the same time, I keep the last couple of days, especially the Queen Baseball Convention, come on, do something, David Stern! Do something! Yes, understandably, Dan, but we're opening talking about the Yankees because they made the big moves. But when you saw this this Boston Red Sox, well, first off, from a Red Sox perspective, if you're a Red Sox fan, you've got to be pissed off at this move because what the hell are the Red Sox doing? This used to be one of the big you know, organizations in baseball that go around spending money at the clip that the Yankees do and the Mets do and the Dodgers and the Cubs and they're in oh, – always involved in those big deals, but now they're trading one of their key left-handed bets. And let's not, you know, shit on Alex Verdugo. This guy is a career 280 hitter who me and you would have killed to have in the Mets lineup this year when they weren't hitting for shit. So Alex Verdugo is a good pickup for the Yankees. And if you're, you know, if you're a Yankee fan, it, you know, obviously you were hoping for Soto and that we'll get there in a sec, but, if you're a Red Sox fan, you got to be scratching your head at this, right? Yeah, it's like um, I just I I could imagine the probably a lot of Red Sox fans, including like my friend Will, is it, it, probably furious at this. It's this does not seem like something. This, this seems on Red Sox like to just hand hand over a talented player to the Yankees of all teams. It's just I, I I've heard I've actually heard I got a few friends that are Red Sox fans and they really are not liking the owner of the team I hear. Yeah, I hear a lot of frustration coming from the Red Sox and oh the poor babies they only have three championships over the last twenty years so uh, I, I'm sorry if your your cries are, are falling on deaf ears from us Met fans. Um, but, you know, look, I understand the Red Sox are a passionate fan base, and they, they have every right to be upset because, honestly, ever since Dave Dombrowski left and uh, went to Philly and, and they brought in, um, you know, guys like uh, High and Bloom, this team has not been 
one of the better teams in baseball. You know, the Red Sox were hoping that Haim Bloom would come in to their organization and turn them into the Tampa Bay Rays of the North. Because if you're not, you know, familiar, that's the organization that Haim Bloom came from. He was a highly thought of front office guy for the Tampa Bay Rays. That that's not the case anymore. And um, you know, he was the GM in Boston. Traded a lot of their big stars. Really, ne- never went after any big name free agents or anything like that. And the Red Sox have suffered for that over the last couple of years. And trading Verdugo to the Yankees, um, you know, seems to be uh, keep in line with that for for three minor league pitchers. Even after his exit, now who knows? These pitchers could end up, you know, panning out and being good for Boston. But to be honest. When was the last time the Yankees developed a really good minor league pitcher? I mean, you know, it's been a long time. I mean, I guess you could say Domingo Herman is kind of on and off every once in a while. You know, the the newest Met addition, Luis Severino, I guess technically is one of those. But, boy, if we're talking about those two guys as, you know, what, as some of the best starters the Yankees have produced over the last few years, that's really not too many, right, Dan? No, I, I I can. I feel like I have to go all the way back to the Joe Torre era to really look at who who the heck the Yankees, what pitchers the Yankees have produced as stars. Yeah, I mean maybe Chen Ming Wong. You know he had those back to back nineteen win seasons. So you you're probably right. It probably was in that Joe Torre era prior to a couple of these guys we're talking about. Because you know when you think of the Yankee pitchers, you know, they, they had A.J. Burnett for, for, uh, for a few years. He was a, a, a free agent signing. Um, you know, they had uh, uh, Masahiro Tanaka. He was a free agent signing for, uh, brought in from Japan. You know, the Yankees had, um, you know, a, a list of all these guys that um, really none of them were produced by the uh, Yankees themselves. The one, the one thing they were really hanging their hat on over the last couple of years was Justice Sheffield. And he got traded and he hasn't done anything since. So it just goes to show the Yankees are are a phenomenal organization when it comes to promoting their prospects because, uh, man, they end up reaping the benefits. And let's just go right into that, Dan, because the Yankees basically got Juan Soto for nothing. I mean, it's insane what teams have to move to get star players these days. And the Yankees just get them for nothing. Let's look at this trade right now. So in case you're wondering what we're talking about, the Yankees ended up making a big trade today with the San Diego Padres. Um, it's been talked about for the last couple of days. There have been rumors flying. Um, but And and actually, when the Yankees got Verdugo last night, a lot of people just assumed that he was going to be flipped in this trade. But nope, Brian Cashman said he wanted to bring in two lefty bats in the outfield, and that's exactly what he's done. Um, the Yankees trade... Relief pitcher Michael King and a host of prospects, Drew Thorpe, their number five prospect, Randy Vasquez, their number 13 prospect, Johnny Brito, a minor league uh, pitcher, and backup catcher, the personal catcher of ace Garrett Cole, Kyle Higashioka, are all being sent to the San Diego Padres in exchange for outfielder Juan Soto. And if you're a Met fan, you remember outfielder Trent Grisham because he killed us in that playoff series a couple of years ago. Um Dan, you know, when, when you hear this, when you look at this, I mean, let's be honest, Drew Thorpe is the number 99 overall prospect in baseball. You know, it, he's not a good prospect. Yeah, he's number five for the Yankees, but it doesn't mean shit. You know, when, when you saw this trade, it, my first thought, honestly, was anger at the Mets for not being involved in this. But when you saw this trade and how this kind of tilts the power wheel in favor of the Yankees one more time, what was your initial reaction to seeing Juan Soto getting traded to the Yanks. Oh, it, it just made me furious at David Stern. Just remaining there, sitting there, doing nothing. I'm so dead. Until I see a move, big move made by David Stern, I'm not having faith in him. Yeah. Yeah, it's true, man. It's, 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 it's very true. It, we were told it was going to take a lot to get Juan Soto. Now, look. Michael King's a 29-year-old relief pitcher. Does he have good upside? Yeah. But are the Yankees really giving up a lot for that? No. Drew Thorpe, 
nobody thought highly of Drew Thorpe. Randy Vasquez was kind of thought of in a decent a decent light, but Johnny Brito nobody cared about, and Kyle Higashioka is an afterthought. He's a third string, you know, at best backup catcher. So, you know, who knows what the Yankees end up doing with Trent Grisham? They might flip him. They might keep him. Who knows? He's another lefty bat. So I could even see Trent Grisham coming here and putting up good numbers for the Yanks. But let me ask you this, Dan. You see what we just laid out, Michael King, Drew Thorpe, Randy Vasquez, Johnny Brito, and Kyle Higashioka. When you see that, Dan, do you think that the Yankees gave up too much? Because let's not forget, this is just one year of Juan Soto. He's a free agent after next season. So did the Yankees give up too much, or do you think that this is a good move for the Yanks and they didn't give up too much? I think it all depends on what happens with uh, Juan Soto, whether he signs a contract extension or not. Because as of right now, it just looks like a rental. Looks like a one-year rental, pretty much. Way too much for a one-year rental. Hmm. Mm. So you think, in in your opinion, this this trade wouldn't be worth it for the Yankees unless they get him on that contract extension and it becomes more than just a one-year thing? Yeah, exactly. I mean, at this rate, I, I remember before this trade was made, I know there were some Met fans that were saying trading for Soto, but I just felt like, you know, why am I, why are we going to give up this many prospects? With like Steve Cohen has the money, he could just sign them for a boatload as a free agent and not have to give up the way too many prospects. Even though I do feel we have too many too many prospects at one position. Like I feel like there's way too many uh I think we're like log jammed with prospects at catcher and we're log jammed with shortstop prospects. Mm. I just felt it made well, more sense. Well, you know what? I, I definitely Agree with you on that, Dan. But let let me ask you this. Let's look at this from a Mets fan's perspective. Um, because so if do you think that if the Mets were going to make this trade for Soto, right? Uh, so it would be Soto and Grisham to, to, to the Mets. Let's just uh, replace these players, right? So instead of Michael King, the, the Mets will send, let's say, Tyler McGill, right? Instead of Drew Thorpe. Let's say it's the kid the Mets got from uh, uh, from um, uh, Houston for Verlander, Drew Gilbert, and then uh, maybe one more prospect um, in a guy like uh, let's see who's another guy the Mets could throw in there. I don't know. Whoever I, I guess an equivalent thirteen prospect, uh, maybe a David Peterson type uh, to take over Johnny Brito, and let's say. Um, uh, you know, instead of one of those high-end guys, let's say it's a it's a Tomas Nito because you know nobody really thinks much of Kyle Higashioka. So if I was saying that we were doing that trade for Juan Soto, would you think that's that that would be worth doing if it was only one year, or would you still need more than one year from Soto to do that deal? I think we would still need more than one year. I think. I think what they would need, if the Mets were to make a trade like that, they would have to do that. To make a trade like that, and immediately David Stern need to, would need to get on the phone with Juan Soto's agent. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You're 100% unless right the, about unless that. The, unless, of course, his agent, I forgot, is his agent Boris? Um, I don't think so, actually. Now, now that you mention it, you know, I'll, oh. I'll look it up right now. But I'm pretty sure... Um, his agent is not Scott yeah, yeah, Boris. Yeah, 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 because if that isn't Scott Boris, they don't have to wait to the offseason to get that extension done. If it, if it was Boris, I'd be thinking like, oh, we're going to have to go through all that offseason drama. And, but if, if, if that... If that oh, I'm, I'm wrong, that, actually. I'm wrong. Scott, Scott Boris is, in fact, Juan Soto's agent. Yeah, then I feel like Scott Boris it, just the fact that alone makes me feel like it's not w- worth getting getting a trade with a player that's like his contract's expiring at the end of the year. Just for that alone, just yeah. try to sign him. Just try to sign him during the off season because you're giving because you're giving up that that much for what could be a rental if it doesn't work if 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 an extension doesn't work out right. That's true. That's true. But one thing you have to remember too: if you're willing to spend the money, 
Scott Boris is open because if you remember, he just said a couple of days ago in regards to uh, Mets first baseman Pete Alonso that uh, talking about an extension with him that he's open for business. So you, you got to keep that in mind. Maybe Boris isn't as hardline free agent as he used to be. But I mean, I think either way, you're 100% right that, uh, you know, if it's just going to be for one year, that's definitely too great of a package. But, you know, one other thing I wanted to get your opinion on, Dan, too, but before we moved on from the Yankees, was that how these trades affect the guys already on their roster. Now, if you look at it, Verdugo is an outfielder and Soto is an outfielder. Obviously, Grisham is an outfielder, too, but he's going to end up being on the bench. Um, when you look at it, Verdugo is probably going to end up being in left. Soto is probably going to end up being in right. Now, if you know anything about the Yankees, they already have right field pretty much covered by the uh, by a guy who they just paid $360 million to last year by the name of Aaron Judge. And uh, so he's been patrolling right field out there in Yankee Stadium for the past five or six years now. But after this move is made, the Yankees have uh, said today, uh, after questioning Brian Cashman, and, um, you know, he he, he kind of revealed the Yankees' thinking of playing Aaron Judge in center field primarily next season. So it's not like he would be playing center field every once in a while, maybe once or twice a week. No, we're talking about 150-plus games or, you know, around there of Aaron Judge starting in center field. Now, Aaron Judge is a great defensive player, and he is a phenomenal defender, um, but... And, and, you know, or I'm sorry, he's a phenomenal athlete, but I don't know, man. After you paid this guy a hundred and uh, or I'm sorry, three hundred and sixty million dollars, and he clearly is the Yankees' most important player. As we saw when he got hurt this year, the Yankees died. They died in the water the second Aaron Judge got hurt. Um, he's the most important player, and they're going to be moving him to center field. Now that's going to be a lot more stress on his legs. That's going to be a lot more demanding in game for him. You know, center field is not an easy position. What do you think, Dan? Do you think that's a wise move for the Yankees to be doing that? I really don't think so. Just just because of the injury history with Aaron Judge, I just feel like that's that would be center field would be too taxing on him. His best bet is to be maybe corner outfield. Maybe years down the line, probably he'll be DHing down the line. But center field, not a good idea. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, I think right now it, it kind of reminds me of if you remember when the Mets acquired uh, Yoenna Cespedes during uh, the, the 2015 season and then moving on into the 2016 season when he re-signed that first time. Um, the, the funny thing about that is that the Mets acquired him to play left field. As we know, uh, you know, the, the Mets ended up having to play Yoenna Cespedes in center field for a lot and, you know, a lot of that time and it's it's reasonable at least to say that you know taxing him physically like that in center field for a lot of those games ended up coming back to bite the Mets in the ass at the end of that contract when Cespedes kept getting hurt right yeah it's pretty I feel like it was in a situation where maybe Cespedes should have been a corner outfielder during his during that time after after 2015, I feel like because that in the end that injury, I feel like those injuries did feel like a. I, I think they wore Cespedes out. Of course, of course, let's not forget also that uh, that wild boar incident did him in. You'll remember that. Yeah, that's true. But if you remember too, that that wild boar incident happened when he was recovering from another injury that is a heel injury. That, you know, when I start to think about it, too, and I put two and two together, you know, you, you kind of think to yourself, maybe that heel injury that started everything had a lot to do with him playing a lot of center field over his first two years as a Met. You know, I, I, I guess we'll never know. It's just food for thought. And you know what? As much as I'm not a Yankee fan, man, I just hope Aaron Judge stays healthy because, you know, the baseball is better when guys like Judge are healthy, you know, just like football is better when guys like Aaron Rodgers are healthy and you don't see, you know, you don't like seeing star players get hurt. And yeah. I just hope the Yankees aren't making a mistake. Right. Yeah, exactly. I don't want to see it happen. I mean, I, as much as much as I dislike the Yankees, I do understand that to Yankee fans, like 
you know, like people, people are age, like, I remember my high school days, all the Yankee fans, like that my, my, all the fans that are my age, they all remember Jeter as being the star player. I feel Aaron Judge is like the player that a certain generation of Yankee fans are going to remember as like the, the big star player they remember seeing growing up. Yeah, no doubt about it, Dan. I think you're 100% right. You know, when you look at the history of the Yankees, you know, you go back with the there was there's always like a guy on the Yankees, you know, who's the guy, obviously starting with Babe Ruth. Then he passes it to Lou Gehrig, who gives it to Joe DiMaggio, who gives it to Mickey Mantle. And Mantle carries that all the way up until maybe even Thurman Munson in the late 60s when Munson came up, gives it to Reggie Jackson who then hands it off to Don Mattingly, who then hands it off to, you know, Derek Jeter. And then finally we've arrived at Aaron Judge now. And, yeah, I think you're right, man. There's always going to be that guy. You know, we we still hear our, our buddy Eastside Dave on the uh, Davey Mac Sports Program. Don't miss it. One of the best shows around. Um, you know, he, he always talks about his love of Don Mattingly. And that's because he's a, he's a kid that grew up as a Yankee fan rooting for the Yankees in the 80s and the early 90s. You know, obviously he loves Jeter too, but the guy that he grew up with, the guy that he idolized as a kid, which like you mentioned, is that guy right now, Aaron Judge, back then was Don Mattingly. So yeah, I think Aaron Judge is right there in that that same, um, you know, that same category, right? Yeah, exactly. That, that's the best way to describe it. Yeah. Yeah, man. And, you know, so while we're we're uh, tackling all this uh, this hot stove right now, we do because we, we concentrated right now. That's probably the longest Yankee segment we've ever done in the history of this show. <laughs> but, hey, I mean, you know, when, when you make a blockbuster trade like that, you, you got to cover it. But uh, we also had some interesting news come out over the last 24 hours regarding our New York Metropolitans as the Mets contingent apparently earlier this week flew which included steve cohen and new team president david stearns flew to japan to woo free agent pitcher yoshinobu yamamoto uh the yankees are expected to meet with him on monday when he travels to the u.s and it's uncertain if he's going to have a second meeting with the mets while he's here uh you know right now the mets are considered one of the front runners for yamamoto so this definitely has to be good news that the mets are going halfway across the world to uh, try and lay the groundwork to bring him in here. Yeah, I right off the bat, I just feel like the Mets may have won in getting him to come to the Mets. I mean, no, no offense to what the what the Yankees are trying to do, but I mean, Steve Cohen, the the, the billionaire that he is, flew his private jet all the way to Japan to meet with him. If I'm Yamamoto, I think I might be more leaning to signing that with the Mets. Just alone because of the way they, at courtesy, they he, they did they did to fly over to where I live to, to speak to me like that. That that that's some that just that just something when you see like, you know, with the fact that they want you that they're going that extra mile, going to where you live to try to get to you. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right, man. I mean, it all comes down to you know, putting the work in and putting the extra effort in. And yeah, uh, it looks like the Mets are doing that right now. Everything um, leading up to today is suggested that the Mets are probably the front runners in him. You know what, uh, in, in this sweepstakes right now for Yamamoto. One thing I found interesting, though, was that David Stearns, you know, they were talking about the contingent, as we were saying, of, of Mets people that flew to Japan for this meeting. You know, David Stearns mentioned that it was a long um, journey there and it was a quick meeting and then they jumped right back and it was a long journey back. Um, but he was asked specifically if Kodai Senga joined them on this, which would make sense. Uh, the Mets, uh, you know, Japanese free agent signing from last season. Um, and he actually, um, he didn't, he declined to, uh, to give an answer on that. And I thought that was very interesting. Dan, what do you think? Do you think that Senga was with them? I really feel like it's a 50-50 chance he might have been with them. Though you've you got to remember, maybe probably 
you know, probably may have been to his singles availability at that time because you got to remember these players do have family. So for all you know, Singa may have been the, trying to make the most of like the, you know, the off season, you know, his family and stuff. But I'd say it's a 50, 50 chance that did happen. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you on that. So it's a, uh, you know, it's definitely a possibility. I found it interesting that he neglected that, that he, uh, I, I keep going to say neglected that he decided not to, uh, to answer that question. So very interesting stuff on there. The Mets still have, um, you know, a lot going on right now in uh, this free agency. You know, they brought in uh, infielder Joey Wendell. Uh, they made a couple of uh, things today. They they, they had the uh, Rule 5 draft where they selected a pitcher who they then immediately traded to the Texas Rangers for a, uh, a minor league pitcher who was pitching in college last year. I don't know, Dan. I got to tell you. I am not blown away by what we're seeing the Mets do this uh this you know off season so far. Uh, I'm very disappointed so far, and I know it's early; it's only December sixth. Things can change. I know Yankee fans were were probably very disappointed as of 48 hours ago too, but I'm very disappointed with what I'm seeing. Um, you know, I I I keep hearing the phrase "reset" that they're trying to use this year as a reset after the signings of, um, you know, Scherzer and Verlander kind of went awry. But I, look, I'm I'm not signing for a reset this year. I'm not giving that to, to, to these guys. They haven't earned it. They have to go out there. You know, this is this is the most, um, you know, this is the most affluent owner in Major League Baseball right now. He's worth over $15 billion. Eat the money for the mistakes that you made the last couple of years and bring in more guys so we can get back to the playoffs because so far the Mets have played three playoff games under Steve Cohen in four years or what, you know, whatever it is now three years and they've lost two of them. So, you know, we had one good season and two garbage ones to, to uh, you know, on, on the outside with the uh, 2021 and 2023 both being disasters. Um, so look, I, I'm, I'm sorry. There's, there's not enough goodwill built up yet. And I think the Mets have to go out there and do something big. And that starts with bringing in Yamamoto, but it doesn't end there because I want to see a big bat. And I don't care what you have to do to get that bat. They, but we saw how garbage the Mets lineup was at, you know, last year. And, you know, th they also seem fine with their third base, uh, you know, competition right now, which means Brett Beatty and, he actually included Joey Wendell when he talked about third base. So I, I'm really not happy and my patience is very, very thin right now. What, and I'm sorry, I just spewed that all out, but Dan, after everything that I just said, what do you think? What's your takeaway from how the Mets are looking so far in this offseason? All right. Well, I would finally do some big move already. I'm sick of them saying put, I feel like nothing Literally, it's just crickets every time I watch Sports Night. This does not feel like a team, right? Seeing crickets when it comes to talk about the Mets. Just seeing bench signings and maybe uh, some possible bullpen signings. They, I just feel like they need to make a big move, right? They owe it to the fans. I feel like Steve Cohen definitely wants is, is ready to make a big move. He wants to make a big move. It just got to do it. I I just feel like it, the first impression it it really tells a lot, right? And so far, I haven't seen Dave do jack shit yet, which I'm waiting for him to do something already. Yeah, I look. I'm totally with you, man. Uh, it's very disappointing to see how they've handled things so far. And especially with Otani, you know, me and you and Met fans have been talking about going hard after Otani for years at this point. And it looks like the Mets are just the, uh, you know, the nervous kid on the outside that, that don't want to ask the, uh, the cute girl to dance, you know, on the uh, dance floor right there. It's like, what are you doing? The, the, the Mets are sitting, acting all bashful. Well, everybody else is going out there finding a dance partner. Go out there and grab someone. What the hell is going on? The the Mets are going to be left. You know, you see the the Braves, which, by the way, I don't know if you saw this trade, Dan, but 
you know as well as I do that this trade is going to come back and bite the Mets in the ass. Guess who? Did, did you see who the Braves acquired yesterday? Yep, that guy we gave up for for that. Uh, I guess I could say a watered down version of a Bobby Bonilla deal. I feel like because that's all that Robinson well, no trade was. The the well, only we saving also did get, we did, did get Edwin Diaz, but we we just got a player that I we. At that time, when that when the Mets made that trade, I said, I thought it was a bad trade at the beginning when we made that trade, because I did not. I knew I knew Robinson Cano was pretty much past his prime when we made that trade. So I was scratching my heads on that one. That was, I remember the news of that trade came when um, I, I noticed that trade on. I noticed on my phone the news of that trade the moment I the plane landed in Florida that week. That I think that was a weekend. I was in I was in Florida. One of my, one of my, for a relative's wedding at that time in, the, in Florida, like one of my relatives was getting married, and I was in, I was in Florida for the to attend the wedding, and mm-hmm. I, as soon as the plane landed, right, as a, as a, as a, in in the in the car, we're going to the Airbnb, right, this Airbnb in Tampa, right, um, with 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 some of the with the rest of the New York relatives that made the trip to the wedding, right, um. I'm, I'm in, I'm in, and I would say no. I'm sorry. It's, I mean, I was saying to my aunt, when my uncle was a Yankee fit, I said, "I'm sorry, but, but, but I don't really think that this trade was a good trade." Robinson Cano is. I said Robinson Cano is nowhere near the player that you remember during his Yankee days. So I was like scratching my heads on that trade at the time, not not knowing that yeah. it eventually lead to us having pro- probably one of the best closers in baseball. But glad that we're we're no longer paying the Officially, uh, Robinson Cano is off the payroll now because I, because I gather his uh, contract officially expired after last year. Because I remember yeah, we were still yeah, they, paying the rest they, of that contract. Yeah, the the ten year deal finally expired. The Mets got hooked up the last five, and yes, you're correct. Finally, that is done. That's over. Uh, so we don't got to worry about that anymore. Luckily, Steve Cohen mitigated that a little bit for us anyway. But yeah, just to uh, to to reiterate. Um, the prospect for the Mets traded outfielder Jared Kalanick is now uh, in the Atlanta Braves organization. He comes over with a right-handed pitcher, Marco Gonzalez, who then the Braves ended up flipping for a prospect to the Pittsburgh Pirates. But mark my words, you know as well as I do, just like Travis Darno came back and bit our ass, just like anybody who the Braves get a hold of that's an ex-Met came back and bite our ass, that's exactly what uh, Jared Kalanick is going to do come back and bite the Mets ass this year at some point, right? Yeah, though I hear I hear say he's kind of he's kind of has a bit of an ego in the clubhouse I hear. Really? Where'd you hear that? I don't know. I was hearing some reports from Seattle about the guy. Really? I mean, I I kind of I kind of read the comments when I saw the post from MLB Network. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I see. Cause I, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I was kind of ser- searching what people from some people in Seattle think of him. So I kind of, mm. I kind of was just trying to get the pulse on that on this player. Yeah, because I was very surprised to hear that trade. But you know, things really haven't gone too well for him in uh, in Seattle. Although he started off this season really, really hot for the Mariners, and then just absolutely crashed and burned in the second half. So, you know. Who knows what player the Braves are getting? Hopefully, it's the bad one. But uh, <laughs> uh, I think with that, let's uh, keep it rolling along here, Dan. Um, we still got a couple of more things to get to before we call it a day. Um, you know, real quick, we'll speed through some of the football. Although things just absolutely have gotten ridiculous with the Jets, man. It just seems like this is a. Uh, you know, I really feel like Bill Murray in uh, in Groundhog Day. Um, you know, all I want to do is punch Ned in the face because that's exactly, uh, you know, good old Ned Ryerson because uh, I, I need someone to take my my anger out on because this is absolutely terrible what Jet fans have been forced to watch as the Jets go out there on Sunday against the Atlanta Falcons and lose that one 13-8. Just absolutely abominable, uh, abominable quarterback play, offensive calling, just everything – that you can imagine just terrible. The Jets dropped to four and eight. 
The season's essentially over. They have really, really wasted Aaron Rodgers' defying logic coming back in record time. They've absolutely wasted all the hard work that guy put in. Um, you know, and now they're, they're, they're 13 and 8. But the thing that really drives me crazy is that so two weeks ago, we, we talked about Tim Boyle being named Jets starting quarterback, which at the time I said, you know, whatever, okay, as long as they're taking Zach Wilson out, that's a step in the right direction. But Tim Boyle stinks too, so it's not going to really make that big a difference. But, you know, uh, my preference was Trevor Simeon, and he looked like shit too. So it looks like the Jets got three garbage quarterbacks in their roster, probably the worst quarterback room in the NFL, maybe even NFL history based off what we're seeing because this Jets offense, if, you, if, you, if you're not aware, is the worst offense in the NFL uh, since at least the year 2000. But it's also the worst offense in the NFL in a lot of metrics, going all the way back to 1972. So this is one of the worst offensive teams in the last 50 years of the NFL. Mind-boggling, right? So yeah. they take Zach Wilson out. After, oh, I'm sorry, Dan. I'll, I'll be done one sec. I'm just going on a, on a rant here real quick. Because after they took Zach Wilson out, after, by the way, Zach Wilson went 40 consecutive drives. Think about that. 40 consecutive drives without scoring a touchdown. They decide to bench Zach Wilson. They put in Tim Boyle. He stinks. They they lose to the Dolphins. He starts the next week, uh, you know, against the uh, Falcons. He stinks. Throws an interception. Gets pulled. They put Trevor Simeon in. He stinks. After the game now, Tim Boyle gets released. Tim Boyle was released. He started the last two games. How do you go from being worthy of starting to being released in two weeks? And Zach Wilson is now today named inexplicably once again the Jets' starting quarterback. It's it's like that meme of the Simpsons where you know um, Mo is throwing Barney out of the uh, the bar. You see Barney get thrown out, and before Mo even has a chance to turn around and go back in into uh, you know the bar, but Barney's already sitting back there. The, the Jets can't get rid of this guy. He is like a cockroach. He will never go away. I I can't believe we're seeing this again, Dan. This this guy once again is Jets starting quarterback. All I could say is good luck with that because I think you're just gonna you're just gonna end up with another Sunday afternoon of trying to uh, probably tie yourself to the chair to not destroy your TV, it feels like. Yeah. Yeah, you got that right. I mean, and, uh, you know, that, that'd be one way to control my temper. And and I feel like, once again, the, the Jet Fan uh, suicide prevention is going to be on call next week after the during a during a Patreon show, I feel like. <laughs> oh yeah, get your tickets now. Only five bucks if you want to see me lose my mind once again to, thanks to a awful jet loss. But you, you know what, Dan? The, the crazy thing to me is that did you see all this controversy earlier this week? Right? There's a report from ESPN's Diana Rossini and the Athletics' Zach Rosenblatt, who, say what you want about the media, I am very angry at the media at times. Uh, I don't believe the media a lot at times. This story has been sourced. It's been checked. There is a player source, a coach source, and one other team source in there that all verified it. So there are a lot of Zach Wilson people who go out there and want to defend everything this kid does that are saying that this report's a lie. This report is not a lie. It's been verified. So even, by the way, um, both Aaron Rodgers and head coach Robert Sala tried doing damage control on this, and in doing so, neither one of them even, um, you know, intimated that this was not correct. They said that it might not have been expressed correctly, but they knew that this was this was a real thing. So this is the report states from both those people that Zach Wilson expressed to teammates and coaches reservations about returning as starting quarterback 
due to injury concerns. When I heard that, you cannot tell me that this guy is is the best thing the Jets had to try and win it to try and win. I cannot believe that this guy who essentially when when you read it like that, he's quitting on the team. He's quitting on the team. It took Aaron Rodgers, by the way, all this was was coming out yesterday. It took Aaron Rodgers, and this is another report that came out that Rodgers tried to refute a little bit, but didn't really make much sense, and he didn't refute it hard. But Rodgers had to take Zach Wilson aside and tell him, hey, buddy, listen, you're doing yourself a disservice here. You got to go into the coach's office and tell him you want the fucking ball. You you know, you're not, uh, you know, quitting on the team, essentially, because when you read this, that he doesn't want to play quarterback in the NFL after, by the way, the Jets have paid him 35 guaranteed million dollars as the number two overall pick in the draft. This guy wants to quit on the team because he said that the Jets benched him because he sucked and he went 40 straight drives without a touchdown. Dan, I... I'm losing my mind because of this team. This team is killing me. I, I understand. And we're going to get to Joe Beningo in a second because I want your opinion on that too. But I feel like Joe Beningo, when I say I hate this team, <laughs> when you hear this, Dan, what do you think about Zach Wilson? I just am shocked that this guy, how did this guy even end up on the team in the first place? Because it's just a complete disaster after another. And then all of a sudden we got now hiding that he's been hiding that they've had injury concerns. How do they even start this guy with, with that? It's raising eyebrows of the, the bad decision on management. No, no, no. Uh, Dan, the thing is that Zach Wilson has no injury concern. He is a hundred percent healthy, but apparently He's worried about playing and getting hurt. Well, it, well, then, in that case, like, Zach Wilson's like a freaking joke. I mean, shut up and uh, just go and uh, put in the effort. Yeah, and, and guess what? When you play football, sometimes you get hurt. That's what happens. But if you know how to protect yourself... And, you know, okay, sometimes, you know, you can't help it. But he's played all year and he hasn't been hurt. What the hell? All of a sudden, now he's, he started the last nine games before he got benched. Now, all of a sudden, he's worried about getting hurt? What is he talking about? Makai Becton just came back. His line is healthier right now than it's been all season. So what is the injury concern? I don't understand it. It, it it really drives me nuts. I, I cannot believe that that actually happened, but, and it did. Whether people that like Zach Wilson want to want to debate it or not, it happened. And you know, Dan, I have a theory too, because Robert Sala came out today too, which by the way, that guy, if it were me, Sala be fired right now. And Douglas, I want both of them gone for nothing less than the incompetence that they've showed. Um, but Robert Sala came out today and said he felt that Zach Wilson, he felt all along that Zach Wilson gave the team the best chance to win. Now, let me ask you, Dan, if that was true, then why didn't Zach Wilson start the last two games? Why did he start Tim Boyle? I, I, don't, I don't get that at all. That shows pure incompetence. But the other thing is, now we're talking about um, – Aaron Rodgers went on Pat McAfee's show yesterday and he was calling out these leaks from inside the Jets training facility, which by the way, I agree because winning cultures, you don't have leaks like that. You know, the stuff you, you don't have players and coaches talking to reporters, you know, throwing your quarterback under the bus like this in a winning culture. But if Zach Wilson really did say this, I don't blame him. But interestingly enough, they mentioned Tim Boyle getting released. Aaron Rodgers didn't even, and Aaron Rodgers has known Tim Boyle since 2019. They've been teammates. They liked each other. Rodgers was the reason that Boyle was brought in here in the first place. But 
Tim Boyle got released today before the the uh, Jets claimed quarterback Brett Ripon or Ripken, however you say his name, off waivers. So what I'm saying to you, Dan, is I think it's very interesting timing. And Rogers' reaction to the question, I think that they found out that Tim Boyle was the leak to Diana Rossini and Zach Rosenblatt, who said that about Zach Wilson. And I think that's the reason why he got released. You, you know, what do you think about that? It would not surprise me that this whole thing happens because it just seems like the entire season the Jets have been a disaster pretty much the moment, uh, even though the Jets won that game, it looked like they were going to be a disaster the moment Aaron Rodgers got injured. Yeah, and it really has. This has been this season. At, look, I've seen a lot of bad Mets seasons. I've seen a lot of bad Rangers seasons, those early 2000s and late 90s. Uh, I've seen a lot of bad Knicks over the last 20, 25 years. This season for the Jets is the most disappointing um, sports season I've ever experienced in every single way possible. Not even getting to see Aaron Rodgers complete a pass. Just horrific, horrific. Now they're saying, obviously, with the uh, the loss that Rodgers is he's, – he's back in, in practice this week. He said he's really going to push himself in the rehab Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Now tomorrow, the day this debuts is going to be Thursday. So I really think we're going to hear, um, you know, a definitive answer in the coming days what the Jets are planning on doing with Rodgers. But even though they're saying never say never, I mean, there's no reason to bring him back right now if the team is out of it, you know. Even if they win on Sunday against the Texans, which doesn't seem likely, but even if they win on Sunday, they're five and eight and probably dead. Although not mathematically eliminated, as Aaron Rodgers pointed out on Pat McAfee yesterday. So with all that said and done, Dan, if you take a guess right now, do we see Rodgers in a jet uniform again this year, or are we waiting until 2024 for that? I think pretty much the the pre the preseason 2024 is is the next time you'll be seeing Aaron Rodgers in action. Yeah, unfortunately, the Jets dropped the ball, and that that could not have been the case. He could have been back at some point in the next week or two. But I do agree with you. I think uh, the dream is dead, and uh, the impossible dream has just become that impossible. I don't think uh, A-Rod will be returning this uh, this year. I think you're right. It'll be training camp next year that we'll see him putting on that green jersey one more time. Um, now, the uh, the Jets' next game is going to be on this Sunday, the 10th, 1 p.m. against Houston, as we mentioned. We'll be live on Patreon following that. Uh, so, uh Patreon.com slash Best House Podcast. Five bucks to join up today. But the other team, uh, the New York Giants, are coming back off their bye, two consecutive wins. They also brought Tyrod Taylor back. He's been designated to return to practice. His three-week window is open right now, just like Rodgers's. So the Giants have until basically right around Christmas Eve to decide if they want to bring Tyrod Taylor back. Now, they already decided that, that Tommy DeVito is going to be their starter on Monday night because they're playing the Green Bay Packers on Monday night football uh, this this week. And Tommy DeVito will be starting that. So, you know what? Um, obviously, Tyrod is not ready to come back yet, but it's a good sign that he's back in practice. And it's going to be kind of cool to see Tommy DeVito un under the lights on national television, right? Yeah, it's kind of, kind of going to be cool to see that at Fort remember how we said in a Patreon show I was looking forward to seeing the you know the the the, the Manning cast feed and seeing what the Manning cast I totally forgot that that they're doing two Monday night games that you got the the Giants the Packers supposedly is going to be on ABC and uh I I don't know if this is this is if this is working the same way you everywhere in the country but at least I know here in New York, from what I've looked up on a TV listings, the Giants-Packers game is going to be on a. It's going to be on a, going to be on ABC. And the the other I forgot what the other Monday night game is, but 
I heard the other Monday night game is going to be the one that's going to be available in the Manning Cast feed. So, unfortunately, I'm not mm. going to get to really get. Fortunately, as much as I, I think ESPN is missing a golden opportunity on this one to really get to. Uh, I really want to see here, like Eli and the you know, Manning brothers, really what their their take on what they think of how Tom of Tommy DeVito so far. But it's a uh, not not meant to be, and I'm stuck with. I guess. I don't even know who the secondary Monday night broadcasters are going to be because it's very rare ESPN does two Monday night games. Like, obviously, I'm pretty sure the other game is going to be the one that Joe Buck and the other – I forgot whoever they do. Is, is it is – the Monday night. I forgot who the other guy is in the booth with Joe Buck is. Who's the other guy again? Uh, Troy Aikman. Uh, Troy Aikman. I'm, I'm thinking Buck and Aikman are going to be – they're going to probably going to be doing the other Monday night game, so I'm not quite sure who's going to be doing this game. What I do, I, I, I don't know if they have that information yet, but of course, if they, if they, if they do, if they do have to bring the B team to do the broadcast this Monday night broadcast. Part of me kind of hopes they go old school and we get to see Chris Berman in the broadcast booth again. That'd be cool. That'd be cool. I always like Berman, yeah. man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would just love to see like the ESPN Ike. You know, just a little, just a little, little bit of flicker of the ESPN I grew up with in the nineties. Exactly, exactly. You're right. <laughs> and um, you know, also on on top of that, now Dan, you got um, the uh, the other thing that was coming out of last night. Now is that we'll shift over to a little bit of Nick's talk as. Man, did you catch any of that tournament game? Uh, the Knicks end up losing one forty-six to one twenty-two. Damn, there was no defense played there at all last night. Um, the Knicks unfortunately get eliminated. Although, you yeah, know, I, it really doesn't mean anything. But uh, what would you think? Well, for one thing, I was kind of more of doing a two-screen kind of thing because. I had the Rangers game on the TV, and I had this game on my phone because I didn't really, I don't really think much of this in-season tournament. I just personally think it's, it's a stupid idea that some TV network probably uh went went to the NBA commissioner's office and pitched, and they uh they went with it, and uh, I just feel like the Knicks maybe didn't want to have to play an ex an, an, an unnecessary game to uh pretty much a glorified exhibition game, you know, and maybe save it for the regular season and the playoffs, I feel like. Yeah, but you know what, though? Like, I, I know what you're saying, but it really doesn't affect their rest or or anything at all because now the fact that they had they won on Thursday, they'd be going to Las Vegas to play whoever the other team left is. I forget who it was. But now that they lost, now they have to go to Boston and play the Celtics on Thursday. So either way, they were going to have a game on um, on Thursday. And to be honest, whoever it was in Vegas, I'd, I'd rather play that game than the Celtics again because the Celtics have kicked the next ass twice this year, and I'm sick of seeing Kristaps Porzingis in green. Yeah, exactly. I kind of, I kind of, kind of sick of it. I just, I just hope for once the Knicks win this. I mean. I will jump up and down in my living room if the Knicks win this game. I have to admit, because I just feel oh, like yeah. it's just—I just feel like this would be a real emotional win, beating a beating a, a tough opponent like the Celtics. As they're seeming like they're going to be one of the—they're going to be one of the tough opponents this year in the in the in the, this NBA season. I feel like. Yeah, yeah, it's true, man. Uh, the Celtics definitely are going to be up there, and you know. Seeing Milwaukee last night too with with Damian Lillard into that team, man, it wouldn't surprise me if we see another Boston Milwaukee Eastern Conference Finals because both those teams look pretty damn good. Um, a little bit of the hockey, but to be honest, right now, uh, the the Rangers ended up dropping the game last night six to two to Ottawa. The Islanders ended up blowing one last night and losing five four in overtime. Uh, the Islanders definitely needing the wins a lot more than the Rangers, but uh, starting to get a little annoyed. This is the Rangers' second six to two blowout loss in the last week. Um, but you know, I think once uh, you know they start getting healthy again, because let's let's not forget the Rangers are kind of banged up right now. They they just got Fox back, 
and uh, that you know they're still waiting on Heedle and um, Kako to get back to. So I I think the Rangers that they're playing a little shorthanded right now, but once they get healthy, I think everything's going to be good. And even and even till then, they're still a deep team, right? Yeah, I just feel like the Rangers are going to be fine. I feel like I feel like that loss last yesterday wasn't really anything to panic on. It was horrible. I I do have to admit it was. It did make me want it, it, to. I did have to restrain myself from wanting to smash the TV for that. But as long as they don't fall into a deep hole and they bounce, they bounce back and uh, they they go on a night another win another little winning streak. Start winning Saturday as long as they don't get get in any long losing streaks. I feel like the Rangers are going to be fine. Looks like they're probably gonna. I feel weird saying that. It, and a little heads, a little advice to the Rangers: if you end up finishing the regular season with the best record, don't lay a finger on the President's Trophy. Because <laughs> I, I, I'll tell you a little story about the my Rangers fan history. 2015, remember that year? Rangers had the best record in the league. Remember what happened during that presentation, that trophy presentation? Remember Ryan McDonough? He, t- he touched the President's Trophy. Did you feel the same way I did? I was like, why did you do that, Ryan? There's only one trophy as a hockey player you're supposed to touch after you win it, and we know what trophy that is, the Stanley Cup. A little bit of advice to, the, to, to, the, to this year's Rangers. The only trophy you could touch, you could dare touch after you win it, is Lord Stanley. Yep, well said, Dan. Well said, man. And, uh, hey, I mean, that, that's the last thing we got to see the Rangers doing now. We've seen them do everything else since they won the Cup in 94, bring one back, and that – that's why, you know what, as good as the regular season is for the Rangers this year, they're only going to be judged on what they do in the playoffs. So, uh, And I think right now we got the right coach to, to lead yep. them there. So, Yep, exactly. And for those of you who aren't familiar with this little superstition in hockey, basically what it is is that there's a superstition in hockey that when, during the regular season, the only trophy you touch after you win it is the Stanley Cup. It's a the, the, the long-time hockey superstition. Exactly, because there's only because it, it it's pretty much saying that look, there's only one trophy that matters: the Eastern Conference, the Western Conference, the MVPs, uh, you know, the the President's Trophy. None of those trophies mean anything compared to, as you said, Lord Stanley's Cup. So yep, I think as, that's great. Yeah. As a matter of fact, uh, uh, a little story about the Stanley Cup and myself when I was. When I was like 12 years old, they had. Remember when they had the All Star Game in New York? I don't know. I know you're, you're you're younger than me, but I don't know if you remember this. Remember they yeah, had this real. They had this exhibiting. That was in '94. Yeah, remember they had Remember they had this exhibiting Grand Central Station where they brought stuff from the Hockey Hall of Fame on display, and they had the Stanley Cup on display. When I took a picture with it, I was instructed by my mother at the camera because this is, of course, we all know how how '94 season ended. They won the cup, but before they won the cup, I was instructed because the Rangers hadn't won the cup in my lifetime yet, not to touch the Stanley Cup. And I stuck by that when I took that picture with the cup. And of course, fast forward a couple of years later, because the Rangers had won the cup in my lifetime, then by the time 2018 happened, they had won the they won the cup in my lifetime. I had said it was like 12 when they won in 94. When I took a picture with the Stanley Cup, when they had it on display in a Madison Square Park, which is a park in New York City, they had they had a little exhibit. They had like a little exhibit that had some memorabilia from the Hockey Hall of Fame because it was the 100th anniversary of the NHL, and plus it was a lead up to the Winter Classic, which was happening at City Field that year. Uh, then, then only then that encounter with the Stanley Cup because they had won it in my lifetime. Did I feel like I was worthy of touching the Stanley Cup? And I even told my sister. Until the Rangers win a cup, because you were born, I said, Shannon, because you're born one year short of the, the Rangers winning the cup in your lifetime, until they win the cup in your lifetime, if you take a photo with the cup, don't touch the cup, because they hadn't won it yet in your lifetime. <laughs> well, great advice, Dan. That's 100% right. Uh, and, you know, hey, it's all about respect, so you're definitely right. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think that's a, a great, great place to leave it this week. Um 
that's just about that's just about gonna do it for us this week, Dan. But before we get out of here, do you have anything that, that you like to plug for yourself? Sure, I got my twi- my Twitter account or X as they call it. I don't know. I'm just I'm just so set in my ways of calling it Twitter. They still call it Twitter. It's like it's like the Met fans that still call that call City Field. They call it Shea Stadium. So it's kind of like that with me and Twitter. So I still like I'm still calling it Twitter, but it's a Bobo one zero three NYC. And of course, you can follow me on Instagram Bobo seven one eight DK. That's the same that's the same handle I use on Treads also. Also on a uh, YouTube, it's, it's it's one word Dan, Daniel Curlin. It's one word one word. It's Daniel Curlin on YouTube. That's all. It's all places you can you can find all your all your Bobo content. That's right. So make sure to check Dan out there, and uh, you catch me on social media. Uh, obviously at uh, on Twitter, just like Dan said, or X, whatever you want to call it. At my last name Kramer NY. Don't forget to check out the show at Bsith underscore podcast. And finally, on Instagram, you can check us out at Best Eat in the House Podcast. Also, don't forget, if you're on Rumble or YouTube, check us out there. Give us a like and subscribe. We always appreciate the support from our great fan base. So that's going to do it for us this week. And for my co-host, Daniel Bobo Carlin, I'm Rob Kramer. I will catch you on Sunday on the Patreon show. And then again on Monday for the Giants game, Monday Night Football. So if you're a subscriber, you're going to be getting a lot of extra content. And this is the Best Seat in the House podcast. We'll catch you next week, everybody.